Hey, welcome back to the podcast. This week, we're telling the story of Pan Am Flight 73. Thanks for listening. I we just, got to the place we were going. We And here we are. We've arrived. Mm-hmm. Mariah, so Easy. much, like, both of our lives have been so crazy, and we haven't gotten to talk as often, and so yeah. I have, can't, it's like one of those things I can't believe I still haven't told you. Did you know that we have an aviation podcast? <laughs> it seems I thought implausible. you were going to say, did you know I have a cat? Oh, I wish. No. I'm uh, so sad okay. we don't. No, even more implausible. See, me having a cat, believable. It's right. shocking that I don't have one yet. <laughs> it is. The idea that we have an aviation podcast, not plausible. I don't no. believe it. And no. yet. But we do. We're here. We do. It turns out we do. Amazing. And- you all keep coming back, so thank you. Oh, we love you guys so much. Yeah. We love you so much. So, uh, happy Thanksgiving. Yes, happy Thanksgiving. Yes. I'm doing so much cooking. Oh my gosh, I bet you are. For you and okay Ty, to... who are you doing for Thanksgiving? Yeah, we're, you... we're going to my in-laws, so that'll be nice. Oh, I'm excited nice. to see everybody. Yeah, yeah, it'll be good. What are you guys doing? We're doing the... the um, Brian's parents and then yeah. my parents. So yeah. the, the fam. Awesome. Yes. Good. We're back in. That'll be so nice. Yeah. You're like back yeah. and able right. to go home afterwards. And I have done no, no cooking. <laughs> I'm going to after this. <laughs> so it's, it's uh, almost 9 p.m. right now. Yeah. And you and I have both been working all day. And after you and yeah. I get off the phone, I'm going to go and buy uh, vegan whip topping. And that will be Perfect. my contribution. <laughs> Brian cooks something, but. I will yeah. buy vegan root topping and it will be yeah. much appreciated. So yeah. Thank you all. It'll be good. <sighs> so today we are doing Pan Am Flight 73. So Pan Am Lux, like the you know, height of like the golden <laughs> age of flying. We're a little maybe past the golden age because we're in 1986. <laughs> right. We're uh going to September 5th, 1986. Great. Love it. Gorgeous. Yeah. The 80s. Postal Labor Day. Infinite smoking on infinite planes. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially no doubt on this plane because we are flying a 747. The luxe. Awesome. The glory. The beauty of a 747. The 747 has a name, which we love. The name of yeah. the plane is uh, Clipper Empress of the Seas. So, oh, perfect. Beautiful. beautiful. So good. Yeah. And uh, we're flying from Mumbai, which is called Bombay at this point, Mumbai to Karachi, Pakistan, to Frankfurt, West Germany at this time, uh, how mm. the world changes, to mm-hmm. JFK, baby, because all <laughs> planes make it to JFK. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. All planes make it to JFK at some point. At some point in their life. It's, I mean, you're not a plane if you haven't been to JFK. It <laughs> simply isn't done. It's where uh, all planes are born, actually. Yeah, it is. It's like it's where the the plane storks roost. Exactly. Oh boy, it's too late. Our brains. It's fine. <laughs> uh, it's a seven four seven. Lots of legs. Pan Am. Uh, this route is actually like a little bit unique because uh, Pan Am American company. Most of their flight crews are American, but for this route, they actually made a decision to hire all Indian cabin crew so all of the flight attendants Mm. are indian and that was kind of like a big thing and like 
something crazy like 40,000 people applied for like 90 positions or something so yeah so Pan Am is kind of like investing in this route it's cool yeah right I would hate Uh, to be the employer though reviewing those uh, resumes no without no algorithm no email right paper computer just paper resumes just paper resumes Good Lord. So (laughs) uh, the pilots are American. Uh, We got Captain Bill. Bill has been a captain, not just a pilot, but a captain for Pan Am since 1954, baby. Whoa. Bill Bill has flown everywhere. He has seen everything. Like Bill, he was a... Bill, right. He was a Korean War vet, so... Everyone forgets about the Korean War, and yet, yep. sure did happen. So, Korean War vet. And uh, we've got the flight uh, first officer, uh, Conaway, which is a very cool name. That's like a cool first name, right? Conaway. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been a pilot with Pan Am since 55. So, wow. also, company man. A lot man. of experience in the cockpit today. Also a Korean War vet. So, like, just... Okay what experience and then the flight engineer is john john not a korean war vet but no doubt like an experienced and wonderful flight engineer so yeah and then we've got 19 indian flight attendants so uh cool we're uh we're getting ready for this like big old long flight all around all around uh (laughs) we're flying from Mumbai to Karachi. So for anybody that doesn't know, I am there's gonna be uh the like a sousant of unavoidable politics in this. I'm just gonna ask all of you for grace and I'm not gonna go into it in too much detail, but yeah. It's it's just here. It's just present. So uh for those of you who might not know, Pakistan and India, maybe historically mm, some beef. Uh, yeah. and uh, that's a great way that, to say it yeah some beef going well oh I don't mean that as a I'm not trying to make any whatever what can we do guys no, no, no. benefit of the doubt so yes yeah yeah and uh going back to obviously like the history of colonization and then right. when the when England was like well fine be be free if you want to then they were like but we're gonna split the country up into multiple countries so you guys can fight it out and yeah. uh, here we are. So, so this flight, Mumbai to Karachi, important route, right, for that reason. And uh, it's such a long flight. So the Mumbai to Karachi part is by far the shortest part of this flight. And we've got it under our belt. So we've flown from Mumbai to Karachi. We're good. They arrived in Karachi, Pakistan, at 4.30 a.m. So it's just sun's not up yet it's september so it's not time for the sun to rise quite yet but it's like that early like pre-dawn super just that i don't know i can't imagine or like being at work right Mm. like if you were the flight attendants or the pilots right like you're at work and you're just like one leg down at 4 30 in the morning so they've stopped they're out on the tarmac uh the plane is kind of parked out on the tarmac so they've got to bus passengers back and forth 
uh, to the planes, the passengers who are getting off, they're busing them back to the airport. Passengers who are getting on, they're being bussed from the airport. And uh, they've got the, the air stairs down from the plane to the tarmac. So swapping people out, this like very new, very young Indian uh, flight crew, like the flight attendants are, you know, all of that like luxe, gracious, inviting, smiling, you know, care that yeah. they get. and. Uh, everybody's smoking <laughs> so uh, they're swapping out the passengers 4 30 in the morning and uh, a Pakistani airport security van drives across the tarmac toward the plane which okay not that unusual right mm-hmm. um, and uh, four men hop out of that vehicle and start shooting oh no and as they start to shoot they fire into the air but also fire randomly like across the tarmac and immediately actually hit two ramp guys who are working on a different plane across the tarmac and they charge up the stairs and the flight attendants try to shut the door the the doors can technically be shut from the inside but these doors are meant to be closed from the outside so they're like trying to shut the door and they like push their way in and shove the door like open and come in and suddenly there's four hijackers on the plane while they're pushing their way on uh nidra is one of the flight attendants and she's in the back kind of and so she grabs the phone and calls the pilots who are upstairs in the cockpit and gives them the code word for hijacking and the pilots do not need to be told twice they can hear the guns firing and they hop like shimmy they pop there's a like these uh hatches in the the roof of the Mm. cockpit and they pop those hatches out yeah emergency exits so they pop those out and uh there's basically a bat rope i don't know another way to explain it that they can they grab onto and it like slides them down to the ground and they like a batman rope like batman exactly they get the word they hear the guns they pop right out the attic and down and then onto the tarmac and run the hijackers grab Shireen and Sunshine, two of the other flight attendants, grab them, put the gun to their heads. They bring us to the cockpit. So they bring them up the stairs. They don't know that Nisra's like told them about, you know, told the, the pilots yet. They go up the stairs. They get to the cockpit. They open it up. Empty. No pilots. Sunshine can see. She knows exactly what's happened. She knows that they've popped out of the roof and and gone down but she doesn't know when she doesn't know if they've like Mm. just left and they're on the tarmac and could be shot or what so she just doesn't say anything and watches the hijackers as they kind of like look around but they don't even notice the hatch and the roof because they're just not familiar with the plane so they don't know what's happened they're kind of confused they don't know if the pilots are hiding they don't know if the pilots hadn't boarded yet or what's happening so they But this is a problem for the hijackers because the hijackers goal, their plan, what they're trying to do here is fly this plane full of people to Cyprus. Uh, Mm. The hijackers are members of the um, ANO. It's a group that no longer exists uh, that formed uh, essentially in opposition to American and Israeli influence in the Middle East. I'm going to leave it alone at that. So they uh, 
their goal was to fly to Cyprus and negotiate for the release of some of their fellow members of this group uh, Mm -hmm. who are being held captive in Cyprus. So that was their goal. No pilots. Okay. So problem number one for the hijackers, they need pilots. So everybody on the plane, so there's still two hijackers downstairs with all the passengers, and they start to like push everybody into the center of the plane. So all the passengers that were seated in first class upstairs on the same level as the pilots, they bring them all downstairs and they kind of like shove all of the passengers into the middle of the plane where there's not nearly enough seats because there are 390 people. 390 people. Already on the plane. Already on the plane. So there are 379, uh, sorry, there's 360 passengers plus the crew. So they shove very nearly 400 people into the middle of the plane. And so people are, you know, on the floor, wherever they can just squish in. The engines are off. And the power, any power that's being used right now, the air conditioning that's on, the lights that are on, because the sun hasn't come up yet, is just the auxiliary power unit. So shove, shove, shove into the middle of the plane. And the instantly, immediately, the hijacker's plan is has gone off the rails right from the beginning. Yeah. Which they're mad. They... Well, go, no, ahead. go ahead. I was just going to say, like, um, and granted, my knowledge is based 100% on the Titanic. However, it, it's like the whole thing with the mm. captain is supposed to go down with the ship. So and, in this case... Right. And then, in, like, exactly when she opens up the the cockpit they weren't there i was like oh good thing good thing they got no out. exactly you know right exactly so in a hijacking part of pan am's training and i think part of any hijacking training that would be normal in in any situation similar is to immobilize the plane and not having pilots on the plane is an excellent way to mobilize the plane so like the the flight crews are relieved that the pilots are not on the plane because that means that this plane is not taking off. The flight attendants know that they're not going to send the pilots back and they're not going to send different pilots. They know that. The hijackers think we have 400 people here we're going to just kill if we want to so right. we bet we can get them to send us some pilots so we can go to cyprus so they uh really don't know anything about planes though so they don't know how to use the radio they go to the door open the door again and start to just yell from up uh, 30 feet in the air where the door is of a 747 they just open the door and like yell out to oh the the negotiators who are out there uh they're just like yelling their demands send us a pilot send us a pilot send us pilots so we can fly like we're going we're getting out of here and uh so they're just literally just yelling back and forth demanding pass uh, uh pilots so that they can fly 
yeah negotiators this is this we're we're eight minutes into this we're very early days so the people who are out there are like the you know highest available person right like yeah. head of security um other people are like rushing on their way there but in the immediate it's just they're they're yelling to people who are just not prepared for the situation quite yet right but they are gathering up people who hopefully are going to be able to do something they are yelling their demands the people who are down there at this like immediate moment are not skilled hostage negotiators right these are people who are just like well no no we're not going to send you pilots so sorry no and they go in the back and kind of go up and down the aisles or like push their way through people because aisles are full of people because they've crammed everybody into the center like and again just that thing 400 people like old people babies unaccompanied minors like families people traveling by themselves and they see Rajesh now Rajesh is a 29 year old man born in Kenya Indian ethnically just became an American citizen that year he has just become an American citizen and he has come to visit his family he's on his way back home and he has his U.S. passport visible and they grab Rajesh and they drag him to the front and have him kneel down in the doorway of the plane Safirini is the name of the lead hijacker and Safirini yells down to them says like bring us pilots right now or we're going to start killing people every 15 minutes and he yells down and again the negotiators are like there's people trying to get to the scene but like the people down there are like not excellent at handling this situation and the best hostage negotiator in the world is still getting their bearings in this moment right and the communication is incredibly strained because nobody can get that close to the plane because they'll get shot right they're afraid like it is not safe to have people up close so they're just shouting back and forth and safirini has rajesh kneeling in the doorway and they're yelling back and forth and and He's getting angrier and angrier, and the negotiators are like, whatever they're saying, he doesn't like. And just a couple minutes after he said, We want a pilot, we want pilots in 15 minutes, he just pops and shoots Rajesh in the head. Jeez. Pushes him off the plane, and Rajesh falls down to the ground. And to their immense like just incredible bravery some people who are watching some of the like just regular people who are not uh passengers but the regular staff at the airport who are watching this actually run across the tarmac and get rajesh and like bring him back so that he can get medical attention which is incredibly incredibly dangerous i cannot imagine what just amazing bravery these two people do run and and grab rajesh but he's he's gone he's Mm. gone so immediately 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 minutes into this thing minutes into this thing it's not yet five o'clock in the morning and they've already shot one 
young man, this young man, without even waiting as long as the very short period of time they said they would wait, mm. and the, there's no pilots on the plane. So they're right off the bat, they're stuck. They're in this stalemate, and they've already killed, in fact, three people because they killed two Kuwait airline employees right off the bat. So immediately, Gee. not even a half hour into this thing, they're stuck. They're at like a complete stalemate with the negotiators because they want pilots and they're not going to send them pilots. And the hijackers have already shown that they're just going to kill people. Yeah. So in this unbelievably like terrifying stuck position nirja this the woman who had called the the pilots and warned them this young 22 year old flight attendant is now the highest ranking person on the plane She's the lead flight attendant. She's the purser. There's no pilots on board. Nirja realizes, like, oh, I'm literally the ranking person on this aircraft, and I have 400 people who are terrified and crushed into the center of this plane. Mm. We're going to talk about Nirja for a second here. Okay, Nirja's 22 years old. Oh, my God beautiful she's a very 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 beautiful young woman and she uh had started doing like modeling she had like gone to good schools she's just like a beautiful lovely wonderful person and she is in fact like a working professional model yeah uh and her she had gotten married her parents uh like had arranged a marriage for her and she had gone to live with her husband and her husband was a piece of shit her husband Ugh. was an abusive fucking asshole. He starved her. He like constantly just berated her. He like yelled at her. He wouldn't let her eat. He was told her like you can't do any modeling anymore. Like you can't even cook. You don't clean. You don't do anything. Like said that uh his wrote letters incessantly to her father saying Jesus. that her dowry had been like nothing and she's like worthless and you've just like stuck me with this woman and like all of this. He's like a horrible abusive monster right, like what the fuck are you doing bro like relax right she's 19 at the time she's this beautiful young woman and you just treat her so badly so nirja had gone back to visit her parents and when her parents saw her she'd lost so she was already a model so she was a slender young woman to begin with she'd lost five kilos so 12 pounds She lost in this like a couple month period because he's starving her and Nirja's parents love her. She's their only daughter. And they were just like, oh, no, fuck this guy. And there's a letter that you can read that uh, her father sent to her soon to be ex-husband that was just like, "Uh, we would never in a million years send our daughter back to like a ghoul like you, like you little (laughs) dweeby worm. Fuck you. Never never contact us again you are no longer married like keep the dowry asshole like so nirja 
is like this and she had proceeded to like you know just go back into like the loving arms of her wonderful family and she had like bounced back from that and she was like continued to do modeling and was in fact very successful at that and then she went for this job for pan am like their first ever indian flight attendant crew got the job and not only got the job but right off the bat got hired to be the purser like the lead flight attendant so she's just this is like a remarkable young woman and it's a lot of life a lot of life for 22. 22 years old 22 she's gonna turn 23 in two days it's september 5th her birthday is september 7th she's two days shy of 23 and she's in charge she is the highest Let's ranking go, person girl, on this you got plane. it thanks to her own bravery right because she's the reason the pilots yeah. are off the plane so nirja watches them murder this young man and throw his body off the plane and she says, like, okay, hey, guys, so we got to start, like, passing out water and uh, getting, you know, food. We got to, like, take care of these people. Like, look at them. What are we doing? And so she, like, gently starts to, like, like gather her colleagues so they can start to, like, help the passengers, like, because it's a stalemate, right? So she's trying to help people. And Safarini is like, what are you doing? You stop. You can't. And she yeah. says, like, you got a job to do. I got a job to do. Which, like, <laughs> whoo, girl. Like, yeah. and and what are you going to say to that? Like, Safarini was like, okay, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, now okay. it's fight or flight. It's fight or flight right, right now. Right. Like, you the got a job. Flight is you- not an option. No, right. We're not flying. Exactly. We're on the ground and uh, these people are hungry like this. We need something. So uh, but Nirja, while she's like passing out food and things like that, she uh, goes and takes her manual. So her own manual and rips out the page that explains how to open the doors oh my god and puts it into a magazine and then while she's handing out the food she goes over to the passenger who's sitting at the uh, r4 door so that means if you imagine r and l just stand for right and left and then the numbers the ones the lowest number so number one is the one that's closest to the nose of the plane closest to the cockpit and four and five are like the last ones closest to the tail. So she goes to the passenger who's at R4, meeting the passenger who's going to be close to like the center of the plane and hands him the magazine oh. with the page ripped out in it and says, like, be sure to read that. Like, hi, Please. like, yeah. you know, welcome to Pan Am. Sorry, things aren't going the way we wanted it to. Here's a magazine. Like, be sure to read it carefully. Like, yeah. let me know. If you need anything else. So she's going around and she's trying to do anything that she can. And the other pa- the other flight attendants are, are on board, too. They know that there's no pilots on this plane. It's just them. It's just them. The negotiators are yelling back and forth, can barely hear each other. They're the ones who are on board this plane. They're the ones whose lives are in danger, but they're also the only people who are going to be able to do anything. Mm. This stalemate just drags on. It's dragging on and on and on. And uh, the hijackers like need want to like make this happen, right? Like they want to. They want to get into the air and the longer they're just sitting on the tarmac 
the more they feel like we're not going anywhere. So they say like, okay, so we just saw Rajesh's passport. And that's how we knew he was American. His passport was just out. And that's how we know. So let's just gather all of the passenger passports. We'll be able to separate all the Americans. The Americans will be um, uh, functionally just of value in a negotiation, right? So they're talking about that. And the flight attendants can hear them talking about this, right? They're not being subtle. Or I don't know if if they don't realize that... The flight attendants have languages in common with them. I don't know why they're just discussing discussing their plans so openly, but all the flight attendants are hearing this, and then they turn around and tell the flight attendants, go around and collect all the passports. So they take garbage bags, and Nirja and like the other Nirja directs this process where like do not have American passports in this bag. Like they just said that their goal is like they already killed Rajesh. Like they're gonna kill the americans if we bring them up here so like don't mm, don't take them so the flight attendants are going around and like the passengers are handing over their passports and you know different flight attendants are handing it handling it different ways so some of them if like an american family like hands their passports they're just like shaking their head just like nah like you actually don't have a passport hide that Mm -hmm. or they're uh like taking them and then like stuffing them under the seats or uh, when they gather all the passports up, uh, Nirja goes through and like grabs the couple of U.S. passports that did make it their way in and just dumps them into the garbage. Which again, it's a plane. Like it's right. not like there's infinity places to hide. You're having to do all of this in in a way that puts you in like very real danger. Yeah. So she Look at like flight they, attendants, man. Flight attendants, God, young flight attendants, yeah. like early 20s flight attendants. So they being go sneaky. up. She's being so sneaky, so sneaky and so brave. All of them are. And so yeah. they bring this like garbage bag full of, as it turns out, like 350 passports because there were 43 Americans still on board the plane. So 43 mm. passports. It's not like six. It's a lot. Right. It's dozens of passports that they're having to surreptitiously hide or or not accept or whatever, throw out. So they bring up this like big sack of 350 passports, hand them over, and the the hijackers go through the bag and don't find any American passports, which again, I'm just going to be honest, these are not the best hijackers in the world they're yeah. just they're not so they go through yeah. and they're just like weird i really would have thought there'd be some u.s passports like, instead right. of which is again great for the flight attendants that they didn't realize or didn't push it i don't know how long the hijackers have been awake i don't know whatever yeah. so they're just like weird who would have thought and then they so they just grab a british passport and they're like close enough and i'm just gonna say there were like 30 canadians on board and i'm like i mean if you're going for close enough to american but the british guys are the ones maybe we'll leave it alone but mm, we'll leave it alone so they grab the british passport out and uh they turn to nirja and say like um call this guy up and i can't imagine how this would feel right to like be the one who has to like call someone up when you've just seen them kill somebody yeah so she calls up mike mike is a young british man who was 
on vacation in Pakistan, and now he's headed back home. He's going to connect in Frankfurt, and he hears his name, and he walks up, and Safarini asked him, like, are you a soldier? Do you have a gun or anything like that? And Mike is just like, no, like, I don't have any, no. And he says, like, okay, like, kneel down in the doorway of the plane. So exactly the same place. I mean, there's, guys, I'm not trying to be horribly graphic, but, like, Rajesh was just shot there. Yeah. Maybe an hour prior. Like, there's blood. Like, he has to kneel down where they've just seen him kill somebody. And so they Mike kneels down in the doorway. And they're yelling back and forth to the negotiators and he tells them we're going to kill passengers every 15 minutes if we don't get pilots and the negotiators are seeing this so this would be the fourth person for them to kill and the negotiators see this and the uh the leader the head of pan am india uh or pan am Asia, maybe, but whoever it is, the, the, the leader of this area, right, the highest ranking Pan Am employee mm-hmm. is, is present now. And he's got basically one card to play. And so he takes, they have a, a megaphone and he yells like, hey, there's a Pan Am employee on board who knows how to use the radio. Uh, we'll tell you his name and that way he can help you communicate on the radio. That way we can speak more easily, which is not, it's basically their only card, right? And it's not a direct response to we're going to kill a passenger every 15 minutes, but they, uh, hear that and they're like, okay, yeah, what's his name? And, uh, they... I don't know if he heard his name or when he heard his name, but this, like, young mechanic, Pan Am mechanic, sitting in the back, not an American citizen, not in uniform, no reason for anybody to pick him out. Um, His name is Mahirji, and they go and grab Mahirji. While they're finding him, he's 28. Safarini, so they're going to find Mahirji. Safirini is there with Mike, gun pointed to his head. Mike is kneeling in this doorway with blood from Rajesh and looking down the 30 feet to the ground. And Safarini is like, hey, Mike, do you want any water? And Mike is like, yeah, yeah, I want some water. And uh, he says, like, okay, Uh, goes and gets him a cup of water. And Safirini comes back and is just like, are you married? And Mike is like, no. And again, this like c- cognitive dissonance. The person has a like gun to your head and is just like chit chatting with you and bringing you water. And Safirini is like, I hate all this violence, but you know, they've like ruined my country. And again, Mike, what's Mike supposed to say to that? Like, right. just, you know what I mean? It's, they find Mahirji, they bring him up. And uh, they kind of look at Mike and they kick Mike and tell him, like, get back with the rest of the passengers. Mm. So they just kind of they've got a different they're kind of like following a different track now. So Mike goes from, you know, kneeling in blood to with a gun to his head to just getting like basically a kick and sent back to the rest of the passengers. So 
again, this is like this mind numbing, terrifying stalemate. So they take Mahirji and they grab two flight attendants, uh, Sunshine, God bless her, that's her real God-given name, Sunshine yeah. and Shireen. Sunshine, or, uh, Shireen and Mahirji, they grab them, they grab the women by their hair and they put the guns to their heads and they like drag them up to the cockpit, which again is empty. There's not anybody even on the second floor. They go up to the cockpit and they take Two of the hijackers, Safirini and another one, like hold each of the flight attendants, grab them by their hair, and basically use them as like human shields so they can walk up to the windows and look Mm -hmm. out. And they're like ordering the flight attendants to tell them what they see and say, like, do you see anything like this? Do you see anything like that? Do you see any like the military aircraft? Do you see anything? And they don't. They're they they tell them what they see and and they have Mahirji sit down and they start to communicate using the radio. And it's another stalemate. So now they're communicating on the radio. Yeah. But nothing has changed. They're not, they want pilots so they can fly away. They're not going to give them pilots. So they're talking back and forth on the radio. And it's just another stalemate. Hours, hours just drag on and on and on and on and on. And again, there's hundreds of people on this plane. Downstairs, there's two hijackers, nearly 400 passengers, and 17 of the flight attendants. And the flight attendants, Nirja and the rest, are are trying to like keep the passengers calm there are a ton of unaccompanied minors on this plane so literally children traveling by themselves there's like babies there's old folks there's people who there's people like you and i i'm neither a child nor an old person i really would not i would have a hard time in this situation right like it's just and they're like doing everything they can to like tend to the passengers who are going through this like heinous 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 experience while they themselves are also going through it in the cockpit they're going back and forth on the radio but again nothing's happening right and they're you know the pan am and the like pakistani government aren't overtly saying like there's a zero percent chance we are going to give you pilots but the hijackers know that no pilots have materialized as hours yeah. and hours drag on. And in that time, like the hijackers, you know, Sunshine and Shireen are also beautiful women, right? Like they're beautiful, like yeah. lovely people and, and, young. and young. And so these like hijackers, while they again have guns pointed to them, sitting in this cockpit for hours are just like chit-chatting with them right like they they shift into that gear and they're just like chit-chatting trying to flirt with them uh Safarini like invites Sunshine to go to Cyprus with him which is again like 
you're we you we, you've imprisoned us and your intent is to go to cyprus so like right. inviting her like oh my gosh you should come to cyprus with me like sunshine doesn't know oh how to swim God. and he says like oh in cyprus i can teach you how to swim like they're having this like like he's they're god it's so just your mind right like how could yeah. your mind endure this and there's the fire axe in the cockpit right for you know horrible situations and at some point like sunshine is just like kind of you know looking at that axe yeah and safirini catches her and like shifts gears and is just like don't even think about it and like shifts you know out of that like flirty conversation into like i have every intent my my intent is to kill you right right? like that and i need you hours and 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 hours Hours and hours and hours and hours on and on and on and on and on and morning turns to afternoon turns to evening. The sun comes up and the sun goes down and there is just nothing. 17 hours, 17 hours. The flight attendants are just doing their best to like keep everybody sane as much as possible to just make sure that the unaccompanied minors are okay and up in the cockpit for hours and hours sunshine and shireen are basically trying to mollify these you know men who are who are here to kill them and like mahirzi is just going back and forth like running a radio which uh, hours and hours and hours and now that it's nighttime the auxiliary power unit doesn't last forever. It right. doesn't last forever. And so as now it's dark, they can see that like the lights are dimming, the AC is slowing down, the electricity is is literally running out on the plane. Mm. And the hijackers again don't seem to know anything about aircraft and they didn't expect that to happen and the flight attendants tell them, "Well, yeah, like the yeah, the batteries don't last forever. Right. And that starts to shift things. So they've spent 17 hours. They got onto this plane and they thought they were going to be in the air within a few minutes. And instead, they're still on the ground. No pilots. Doesn't look like pilots are coming. Exhausted. All of the people have spread out a little bit, but as the lights are dimming, as the mood is shifting, they, the Safarini tells like Mahirji, like right now, now or never we get in pilots or no. And the answer is no, right? The answer is no, there's yeah. not going to be pilots coming to this plane. Downstairs, the two hijackers who have been like with the passengers this whole time, re like herd all of the people into the middle of the plane so they go and like people are sleeping in the aisles people have maybe not relaxed a little bit but it's 17 hours right you're right. gonna spread out a little bit you're gonna find room you're gonna put your baby late to lay down you're gonna do these different things the lights are dimming it's pitch black outside and they push everybody back into the middle of the plane and then 
the lights go out. The electricity cuts off. Air conditioning dies. The plane is all closed up. Every door is closed. And there's the emergency lights that run, you know, down the aisle and illuminate the doors. But Mahirji says he's a mechanic and he tells them, like, these lights only last about 10, maybe 15 minutes. These lights are meant to help people evacuate and then they're done. Downstairs, in the near total darkness, with 370 people stuffed into the middle of this plane, the two hijackers are have walked up to the front of the plane. So they're both at the front of the plane between the L1 and R1 doors, meaning like all the way forward, the forwardmost doors. They're in mm. that little aisle between. And one of them is wearing a bomb belt that he's been wearing this whole time. And the other one prays and then turns around and shoots the belt on his comrade. But it's dark. And so instead of hitting like the detonator, he just explodes one of the charges that snaps right it just snaps everybody it snaps everything i can't imagine i think it would just feel so like loud. it would be so loud so and it would loud. just feel so close yeah the 17 hours of tension 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 and then bam upstairs Safarini and the other hijacker who are upstairs hear the bomb go off, hear the bullet, it's dark, okay, it's time. They, like, shout and just start to shoot in the cockpit. It's just Mm. the two of them and three employees. They start to shoot in the cockpit, just across everybody, and then run downstairs, and the hijackers just aim into that crowd of people and start to just fire. They, It's pitch black, and in the darkness... Three doors are opened. So one door, Nirja opens the door that's closest to her that's over the right wing of the plane. When she opens it, the the slide doesn't deploy. So there's no slide and 747s are way, way, way off the ground. But it is over the wing. So there's like a little bit. You can hop down onto the wing and then you can't see in the darkness. You can't see the ground from the wing. So she could have run out, right? She knows how far the wing is from the ground. She works on this plane, but she doesn't. She opens the door and she starts to rush people out in the like black. You're in Mm. a a black hole literally with hundreds of people and you're being shot at so Nirja opened the R3 across the thing so the passengers that are at Nirja's door are hopping out onto the wing and then Mm -hmm. then jumping off and falling 20 feet and just you know I mean that a 20 feet fall 20 foot fall that's a that's a lot. That actually is is rough. So as she's like sending people out, obviously not everybody. It's just panic. It's pandemonium, yeah, right? It's insane. Ankles. Across the way, sunshine. So upstairs, rather upstairs, sunshine and Shireen like hit the ground when they started firing in the cockpit, and then the 
hijackers had run out of the cockpit so quickly in order to go kill more people downstairs. Shireen and Sunshine are on the ground looking at each other, and they haven't been shot. They're fine. And they look, and Mahirji is dead. They shot him. And so they run downstairs into, they could have stayed up there, but they run downstairs to into the firing, into the place where all of these hundreds of people are like crushing as they try not to get shot. They open the R or the L right or the L3 door. So the one directly across from the one that Nirja opened, which Mm -hmm. again, it's not ideal to be only opening doors in this narrow spot, but that's where all of the passengers are. So they open that door over the other wing and that slide doesn't deploy either. And so they're sending people out onto the wing and some people are just going for it some people are running away from gunfire in a crush of just human beings and they just run out jump off break a bone whatever like they just go they hear that across the way behind the wing on the left side on the right side behind the wing on the right side behind the door nirja opened uh, the passenger that Nirja gave the instructions to opened his door and that door, the slide did deploy. So uh, Sunshine and Shireen are are sending people out who are jumping and they start to try to reroute people. They're, uh, Sunshine and Shireen are trying to reroute people from the door that they themselves opened over to the other door so they can just slide down, slide down, slide down, go, 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 go. So they're running through trying to just trying to get again hundreds of people off and while this is happening not only are the the hijackers shooting at them but they brought grenades and in the darkness they're pulling grenades and throwing them into this crowd again not the world's best hijackers they're not pulling the pins out all the way so they're either not going off or when they go off most of them are just going off in like a really muted way it's like not a complete detonation whatever it's still loud and terrifying and all you can see in the darkness is like the light of the bullets going through the air so they're crushing people like trying to get people out 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 go 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 sunshine shireen dilip mavdi there's so many people we're not going to be able to even name all of them but as the flight attendants are trying to to grab all of the passengers trying to rush them out the the hijackers literally run out of bullets they run out of bullets yeah Sunshine and Shireen are on the wing, and they can hear that the firing has stopped. And they don't know they've run out of bullets. They just know that for one second, the firing has stopped. And they've just helped hundreds, hundreds of people just pour out of this plane. And they go back in. They go back into this plane. When they go back in, they can see Nirja. And she's been shot. She's bleeding heavily. She had run back to get two little children, unaccompanied minors that she'd been caring for for hours. 
and she'd run back to get them and the hijackers saw her running for them and shot in their direction and she had like covered them Mm. with her body she's lying there bleeding and alive and sunshine screams out the door to a male flight attendant who's out there waiting on the wing um screams for him to come help and so he comes back in and the two of them drag her to the slide and down the slide with her when they get down they run with her God. away from the plane to an ambulance and the ambulance literally like across the tarmac the ambulance literally just takes her and like carries her like the driver takes her like into the back of the ambulance no stretcher no nothing and just rushes off to the hospital Shireen and Renee another flight attendant were the last two on board they did everything they could and then left then the Pakistani like armed forces get onto the plane and like charge onto the plane and arrest don't shoot but arrest the hijackers because now the hijackers have no bullets left no explosives left right they surrender and they arrest them and take them away my god 21 people were killed oh my word that's Nirja did die at the hospital. Of those 21 people, it is really incredible. Again, it's that thing where it's incredible that so few people died in a lot of, but God, like even the people who survived, like what, there's nothing that could ever be. More no. traumatizing than that, no. right? It's and like, so I just horrible. It's a terrible, awful, no good situation. I just, it's hard for me to um, imagine it being that long. Seventeen like, hours. Oh my! Of a God. complete stalemate. Of a complete stalemate. I just, I don't know. They, I mean, I think about the Air France one that we did, um, I think this time last year, actually. Um, And that was, like, days. And they actually did fly to another location and, like, so dragged out. But, like, this one is so many people. It's so many people. Almost 400 people. Just like crushed and then like in complete darkness, just getting shot at and trying to squeeze out of four doors, two of which don't have a slide. And you have to jump down 20 or 30 feet, depending on five, five people were eventually arrested for the hijacking. So some people who were like accomplices who didn't actually participate in the like on the day um Mm. by you know 
So five people were arrested and tried. They were sentenced to death. Um, that sentence was commuted to life in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, in September 2001, a time that might be familiar to most of you, in September 2001, Safirini was actually uh, sent to, like, handed over to the FBI and brought to the U.S. from Pakistan, where he was serving his sentence. And in the U.S., they actually put him on trial for, um, for hijacking this plane mm-hmm. in 2001, so 15 years later. Which, mm-hmm. again, 15 years later, it's a long time, but it's not a long time at all, right? Yeah, right. It's not a long time at all. And so he was tried in the U.S. for this hijacking, again, September 2001. You know. A lot was going on. Um, yeah. And uh, he was sentenced to 160 years, so life in prison in the U.S. Yeah. I, um, I want to read this not in any way. I, I hope that all of you will, like, take me reading this um, in the way I intended. I'm definitely not trying to, like, make I, – I am – so radically not trying to make excuses this was a heinous murder and Mm -hmm. torture of hundreds of people like the torture of hundreds of people the murder of 21 people i'm not defending it at all i just it just seems like it's part of the story to me so at the trial uh obviously he was found guilty um and the a lot of people like the family members survivors people were on board this plane a lot of people traveled to the court to either give their testimony or just to witness it or whatever the case may be so the people who were present at the trial in the u.s in 2001 or maybe the trial itself was in 2002 but um at there were a lot of people who personally experienced this who had been personally harmed by Mm -hmm. Safirini and uh at the sentencing when in an American trial and I imagine in many other countries during sentencing or prior to sentencing the person found guilty can make a statement mm-hmm. and I'm just going to read the statement um he said I am so sorry at what happened so very very sorry i take responsibility for all the pain my sorrow is from the depth of my heart if you do not believe i am a person who has a heart i accept that i wish i had died on that plane i sit in my cell i have no hope no feeling i know i will die by myself and i will never see my family again when i did this i believed i was helping the palestinian people's dream of a homeland now, I believe that the organization, the ABO, this was not their aim. I know now I was used and so were the others. I was wrong. I was at fault. I was wrong. And the victims who fell were innocent people. Mm. I was brainwashed. Damn. Yeah. And again, I'm not in any way saying I don't please everybody receive that. Give me the benefit of the doubt when I exactly. read that. Because like, yeah. I'm not saying that to be like. No, no, no. 
it just seems like it's part of the story. It just is yeah. part of the story. It is yeah, part it of the is. story. It is. It is part of the story. I mean, there's a reason that people have are allowed to say something, you know. Right. <clears throat> right. Right. And again, I don't know. I'm sure to the hundreds of people who were directly affected by this, who were there or who read that afterwards or who heard it afterwards, like I'm sure that it meant totally different things to all yeah. of them, right? Yeah. I'm sure some yeah. of them like it was very meaningful i'm sure some of them it's just like well fuck you i don't care like right fuck you good like bye forever um and it's not like it just seems like it's part of the story and so i wanted to read it because yeah. it is um man it's it's bad to fall into like under the influence of people who want to use you to do very bad things yeah and it's bad to want to do bad things right like yeah. i don't know i don't know right like it know. doesn't excuse i mean just like you're saying like it doesn't excuse all, right? anything of course you know there were and like it doesn't matter if it's true or not like he's he's is essentially been sentenced to death just death by jail like lifetime right. in jail you know right Right. Um, I know that that means a lot of different things yeah. for a lot of different people. Right. Um, I, it's just like for me, a life sentence in jail is death, you know. Right. I would. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, often. Yeah, it's a complex thing. Yeah. Um, it's a complex thing. And certainly like. Certainly. I mean, the people who died, I mean, again, like the, not just Nirja, like, and not just Rajesh and not just, um, Mahirja, like just Mahirji rather, like all of these different, you know, the people who I named, but also the other people who died and also like, I don't know, how could yeah. you, there's something, um, the spirit catches you and you fall down is a book. I don't know if you read it yet. Um, but it's the, it's a book about like, um, a lot of different things, but it's about <laughs> like think... a, it's about like a refugee, like a Hmong family oh, in the eighties yeah. getting yeah. medical care for their youngest daughter's seizure disorder and yeah. the way that like culture interprets that differently and how that affects medical care. Yeah. But it is also about like refugees and everything they go through and it's it's a really good book um yeah. but the there's like a quote in it that is so haunting to me because it's uh a husband and father who had fled with his family and the man like this is years later right but he's saying like you can never like you can never tell your wife, I would do anything for you again because she knows exactly what you would or wouldn't do. Yeah. Like, you survived, you got here, but whatever happened, I, he didn't mm -hmm. go into any detail, but, like, she knows what you would do when push comes to shove and she knows what you won't do. And I guess I yeah. say that because, like, it's impossible to know who, like, who escaped that plane and in their complete panic, like, pushed another person or something and i'm not i'm in no way demonizing them right you're like just in the most heinous panic like 
you're not in control of yourself in any kind of normal way, right? You are just trying to not die, right? While you're being shot at in a pitch black tuna can, like, right. and like the, but like how that affects your self-concept and how that like can harm you so much, even if you are like unbruised, like even if you have yeah, no physical totally. pain and even if you can deal with other parts of the trauma, just things like, uh, it's just horrible. Yeah. So, like, I don't in any way want to make excuses for Safirini at all. Like, no, no, no. But I just want, it's part of the story. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm. Wow. That's terrible. It, I have to, like, the the entire time you were telling this story, I had to keep pulling myself back from saying certain things because I have to remember that it's in the 1980s like uh, just it was just different you know policy was different things were different experience mm, was different like mm -hmm. you know there mm -hmm. was, there's like a lot of context and political context like you said to the story obviously that right. um is right. like I don't know because my, my instinct is to be like, there's no reason that they were on the ground for 17 hours. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, there, surely there could have been a different way to get people out of the plane or de-escalate the situation or, you know. And I, I also understand that's, like, a very American thought. Mm. Um, mm. You know, like, I recognize that as well. Yeah. It, it just, it's, yeah. it's unfathomable to me like Ugh. sitting there for so long i just can't even right. and then to have it end in such a chaotic way like your like is your your body just has to be out of adrenaline at that point you know oh it's like the it's, exhaustion like yeah. just the total 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 like psychological and physical exhaustion right and on top of all the psychological stuff it is the 80s like we're not really talking about that stuff yet you know to, not in the I mean, same it's more way. obviously, but not in the same way, right? Right, and I think that that's another thing is that like so many, so 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 many hijackings prior to nine eleven, um, ended with like few or no casualties, and that mm. is like another piece of context, right? Like there were dozens, if not hundreds, of plane hijackings prior to nine eleven, um, and they were. Most of them ended without any death. Yeah. And so the, but this one, before they even got on the plane, they killed two people. Right. So that's like, you can't even, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. So much. So, so much to. Well, and it, I mean, even yeah. like technology was so different too. Like, you know, the resources that they had available. Right. Like, cause it's, right. it's. Even in the beginning of the story, when he's like, when they're like shouting out to right. the workers on the ground, like that's it, like reminds me of an SNL skit of like, right, you know, these hijackers have hijacked the plane and they're just shouting out of the plane, you know, and people on the ground are like, what, like, you know, just right, right. It seems it's, like, yeah, absurd. It's, it's absurd. absurd. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And, to have it just end so chaotically, it just... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It really fucks somebody up, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. Because it's like more sinister than, than a plane crash, you know? Oh, way more. Like way Infinite more sinister. More. Yeah. Sinister. Like it's just, yeah. Right. There's a um Indian movie called Nirja came out in 2016 about this. So Nirja, um, I'll say it like this. So in an event like this, people are going to recall things differently. I like did my best to like synthesize the information and like tell it cohesively combining different people's accounts. Right. Mm. So, but there are places where there there's, there's things that conflict, right. There just are things that conflict, but um, like, for example, there is a passenger who said that um, she saw Nirja like the, she saw the um, hijackers like grab her by the hair and shoot her point blank. But Nirja was alive when they, when her colleagues pulled her off the plane mm. and it was pitch black so it's like it's not a sin to misinterpret what you saw or just think that you saw like a different person because they certainly could have done that to a different passenger or right you know what i mean so that's just an example of like people are just going to recall things differently that's so but the but nirja like handled this situation with unfathomable bravery right and she was the highest ranking person on that plane which is crazy it's just crazy to a few months after you become a flight attendant be the die as the highest ranking person on board this plane um some people did like you we you alluded to it earlier but um some people did react to like the idea that the pilots ran very negatively especially Mm. after things went so wrong um but like pan am and all of the flight attendants like 100 percent had their back they were like no that was the best that's we don't even we'll never know how many people's lives that saved right i was just gonna say it would be a different they would still be on this podcast just in a different way right exactly you know the story would just be different right right and it would have i mean it's just maybe it saved 400 people's lives maybe it just saved three lives maybe it only saved the pilot's lives but that's still yeah their lives matter like they're people something that is unbelievably incredible to me is that uh most of the flight attendants continued to work for pan am as flight attendants insane but never insane i mean amazing amazing yeah um nirja received like the she was like particularly like she was honored in like many different countries many different ways her face was on a stamp in india like Mm. she and if you think about like she she was so remarkable in her bravery Mm -hmm. and and did die like she lost her life she could have been off that plane yeah she could have been the first one off the plane right and and she she died because she was trying to save other people children even and so um 
And she was like a domestic violence survivor right. in the 80s in India. You know what right. I mean? And domestic, right. I mean, domestic violence is like her story of like of leaving and of her parents like total complete support yeah. of her getting out of that situation yeah. was like deeply meaningful and like um like a very important story in like mm. the context of her time and place and um and still is i don't want to yeah. diminish the way that she continues to be important but and she's like a beautiful model so there's like hundreds of pictures of her and yeah. so i'm sure they are on the instagram as you're listening to this but yeah. um wow <sighs> a lot story yeah. is a lot yeah wow very incredible remarkable. the movie is meant to be excellent so yeah. um i haven't watched it but i recommend checking it out yeah for sure i mean you don't like there's i can't imagine what they would have to change i mean <laughs> like it's from the magazine to the like you know the everything the whole story yeah so much right just, so much yeah so many attempts to like improve the situation and i think that the movie um i didn't i like i said i didn't watch it but like i saw clips of it and like read about it and stuff like that and besides being like very very popular very like well-received movie um her uh, mother i believe was were was like involved in making mm. it like she was yeah. um, like consulted Good. on it and the story the movie rather does um follow the uh her parents experience quite a bit mm. um and that's i think i mean i didn't get to go into that at all but during this 17 hour time frame people with loved ones on that plane around the world are like desperately waiting to hear about their family member and like going through yeah. all of that too and i think that that's a, like an aspect that i didn't even get into but would be is is again part of the story so gosh <sighs> wow yeah a lot but uh what is it 357 people survived yeah which is amazing amazing I mean, it, it is really good yeah wow. yeah Great so job. that is uh, Pan Am seventy three. Yeah, thanks for telling that. Thank you for listening. Yeah, you have a um. <laughs> oh, do. the plane survived. I feel like I should say. Yeah, the plane. I like looked. I mean, the plane. It, it, right, they patched up the plane. I looked to try to find out how long the plane was in the air for, and I couldn't. I didn't hunt it down, but mm. I did find the like FAA like report that says like status repaired and i was like okay <laughs> the empress of the seas maybe it's still flying on. maybe i hope so it'd be great you go a little plane yeah gosh do you have a empress of the seas fact i do actually mm. um Perfect. our fact comes from jeff today jeff, jeff uh sent us a little bit of an update on the SR-71 uh, that we talked about last week. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So this is what Jeff says. He said a couple of amazing things to add about the SR-71. The airframe expanded by nearly a foot while flying supersonically because of the heat. Oh my so it would just, it would grow by a foot. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> the like fuselage. those little like dinosaur yeah. tabs that you put into the <laughs> In water like, and leave. Yeah. 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 It just gets bigger. Exactly. Oh um, the fuselage panels uh, were designed to fit loosely to accommodate the expansion. Uh, the gas tank Ooh, also leaked fuel when not in flight because of the looseness needed. Oh so it's just God. like leaking fuel. Um, and the exterior windshield was made of quartz because uh, to deal with the incredible temperatures. <laughs> Imagine. Uh, I mean, the it's going to happen. Like, it is going to happen that that does become a natural way to fly like you know not in our lifetime probably but i, I mean, just feel there has we to gotta be do the concord story we gotta do it yeah. so we can talk about supersonic planes more yeah but the I'm quartz windshield interested. yeah that's the crazy quartz windshield i cannot Ugh. united is making a supersonic plane they say yeah. that they're gonna or they're not making it obviously they ordered supersonic planes so we're gonna find out if we're gonna find out um yeah. That True. is the quartz windshield. I'm sorry. I'm like the leaky fuel tank is like that is like the primo comedy that I come to aviation for. But yeah. like that the high tech plane has like a leaky fuel <laughs> leaky tank fuel by tank. design. Like but <laughs> but the the quartz windshield. Yeah. It goes faster than the speed of sound. And it has like what I assume is like a glittering rock windshield. That exactly. is so exactly. amazing to me. It's just like purpley glitter. Yeah, that's what I'm imagining. Is just yeah. like, like, yeah, the beautiful. Did you like collect rocks when you were a kid? I assume all kids do this, right? This is a universal um, thing. Um, no, my brother collects sticks. <laughs> oh, sticks! Yeah, yeah. a stick collection outside of the outside of the house. You just gather. What makes sticks. a good stick? I. Pff, who knows? Which who brothers? Knows? Uh, Tyler. Tyler, brother, you're listening yeah. to this. Yeah. What makes a good stick? I want to yeah. know. Tell me. I do. I do want to know. Sticks, so, you know, but surely, at like the at the like lake or whatever, if you went like and there's rocks, would you yeah. pick rocks up? Uh, I personally wouldn't know, but people in like oh. like I knew people who did. I did not. Yeah. I skipped rocks a lot. Oh, I never learned yeah. to do that. See, so uh, okay, I hold yeah. on to the rocks. I didn't. So yeah, I, I did not them. keep the rock. I skipped it. <laughs> oh yeah, I got in trouble at like many a state park because they're like you actually cannot take the rocks they oh. belong to the state <laughs> they are wars of the state but um and the grand canyon but brian right. like every time i've gone to the grand canyon i've been like i want to take a rock and there's signs everywhere telling you do not take the you rock. can't right. right they're america's rocks they're not for you right and uh so i have to put them back yeah there's actually gosh where was it by the grand canyon someone who lives out west or just knows the area tell me if you know what i'm talking about but there's a, a park site not at the grand canyon but not far from it that has like a um lots of cool rocks that you would really mm. want to take if you were so inclined um, which i assumed everyone had the urge to steal rocks but apparently <laughs> apparently not mariah <laughs> but um this is um, the this is the buying the car we should tell everybody about this so that everyone knows just in case 
we should but i hold on wait a second yes yeah we, one we gotta, one one update at a time what so but at this like at the park right like there is uh like display yeah. with handwritten letters and typed letters and rocks so each like letter has like a rock and it's people who like throughout history have stolen rocks from the park and gotten home and felt guilty oh and God. mailed the rocks back and like so they're all these like apology letters like typed out or handwritten just being like i'm so sorry and one of them is from like a child and oh. it's like you know like a like a fifth not a fifth grader probably like a third yeah. grader so it's like that like sloppy handwriting it's just like yeah. i'm sorry i took the rock please oh forgive me like love tommy or whatever yeah <laughs> like yeah. just and that i just it's beautiful I, it's, it's double whammy. They got the signs and they're like, you're going to feel guilty about this. So just don't just skip that part. Right. Skip <laughs> but just the, the, the fee. Skip the fee. Just shipping I mean, it back. Guys, listen. I don't know. I'm not the only person. I'm positive. I'm not the only person who has the deep <laughs> desire to pick up and keep rocks. So especially as a I kid. Mean, like, yeah. Yeah. Like I have I have a rock from one of the volcanoes from Costa Rica. Are you allowed so to steal fair. them? I don't know. Is that like forbidden? I don't know. I took it like well, in like 2012. Oh, gotcha. Okay. And I don't. I, didn't well, feel I mean, bad how long do rocks even last? 2012. Right. <laughs> but ah. yeah, like what were they expecting? No, but like a pumice, like a volcanic, like volcanic yeah. rock or whatever. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And I keep it in my all my backpack. It goes with me. It's just like, yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. But it's, uh, yeah. All that just like gravel from people's like driveways that has like its quartz or whatever, so it's like sparkly. Yeah, yeah. When people have like the really pretty like white gravel driveways, oh my and gosh. it's all that white gravel. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Give me your driveway. Yeah. I love these beautiful rocks. Yeah. I will take all of these. Like there used to know. be there used to be those kinds of rocks in my grandparents' garden. And my grandpa would like, he would dig up the garden bed so that the rocks would be there and then like cover them a little bit so that when I came mm. over, I could go in the back and dig them up myself. Oh, and ah, I remember, so yeah, it was sweet. like digging for gold. It was great. It was so nice. Yeah. Yeah. But they're cool. See, you like wash them off. Rock. They're so pretty. Yeah. Right. They're beautiful. They're so beautiful. Yeah. It's just a good time. But I never did. I never learned how to skip rocks. I had ah, not successfully skipped a rock. It's a good time, too. Yeah. It looks great. Yeah. It you stresses me out, though, because one time somebody said, if you skip a rock, you are like, it is entirely possible that you are the first and last human who will ever yes. touch that rock. Yes. Ooh, that's that too much scary. responsibility. Yeah. No. Put the rock. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> feels like too much. Just think about how many rocks are there that. It was the last person that will ever touch it. But probably not Lake Ontario because it's going to dry up for that. Yeah. It's another thing. So <laughs> all together. Right. That's probably more actually what is going to happen. That makes me feel worse. It doesn't make me feel better. Right. <laughs> it makes me feel better for the rock. But yeah. I don't know, guys. It's uh, it's uh, 10 o'clock. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. It's been not a bad day it's a good day it's a good good day day. yeah it's just been really busy i'm sure everyone else is so busy too right it's just i don't know life feels like it's kicking back up again not that Mm -hmm. it hasn't obviously but it's just i don't know 
Yeah. No, I totally just kind of like nonstop going again. And yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Trying to keep up. Yeah, it is. It's a lot to keep up with. Um, I will say that, uh, since we moved back, I like went to the doctor, which is very good. And I bring that up. Great. There's no medical problem, but I bring that up because I was talking to somebody and they were not aware of like the, um, the, uh, FQ, HC, yeah. FQC, yeah. so federally F- qualified community health centers. Uh, yeah. FQ, you know FQHC. Yeah. FQHC, yep. federally qualified health center. Yep. Yep. Okay, so US, community health can, center yeah. is just what they're called, but FQHC yes. is the designation. Yes. Okay, it's you will explain what it is better than I will. <laughs> it's a federally qualified health center. So if you're in the U.S., uh, you don't have insurance or you need help applying for insurance, um, you can go online. Or you don't want insurance. I'm just or you don't want insurance, there. yeah. You don't want it. Like, if you're foregoing insurance, well, yeah. I mean, everybody wants it, but if you're doing the math and making the decision to not get it yes you exactly. are also eligible exactly um and the government the united states government gives uh qualified health centers who go through a strenuous application process and have to um you know like it's a very uh thorough um like application process i guess is what i want to say it's a huge headache yeah, yeah it's a lot to um, go through it is. And they have to have, like, so many providers who, like, offer specific services. Yeah. And, like, yeah. And they offer health care, basically, to people who don't have insurance. You can also have insurance and go there. Like, when I was in Buffalo, I worked for a health center, qualified health center, mm-hmm. um, and they were my doctor. Uh, um, but, yeah, yeah. It, and they if you don't have enough money for insurance or you don't have enough money for a doctor, they will... Uh, they cannot turn you away based on income. Uh, they will probably do like an income-based plan or a sliding scale fee. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely life-saving, life-saving stuff. Also, they have like tons of community resources. So if you need, you know, therapy or social work or food referrals, mm-hmm. um, it's a really good place. It's kind of like a lot of health centers are kind of a one-stop shop for a lot of services. So yeah. Um, you know, yeah, uh, they're great. I can't. Yeah, they're they're amazing, and I can't speak highly to enough of them. Yeah, you know? I think that it's so. My understanding is that they have to have like us, like psychiatrist or like a psych prescriber, a gynecologist, a pediatrician, and a primary care doctor, mm-hmm. or that that's usually what they'll have mm-hmm. at least. And then they'll have, um, like, providers and prescribers who are not doctors, like not, uh, NPs and PAs, so yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. And um, they, I think most, if not all of them, right, were already community health centers prior to this system. And yeah. then, yeah. like, raised the bar or whatever so that they met these requirements. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that a lot of times they are... Many of them were, like, kind of originally designed to, like, serve, like, this community or that community, right? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. like, the one that you worked at um, was, like, designed to help refugees, mm-hmm. but obviously now serves everybody, right? So, right. if you are a refugee, it's a great place to go because, like, when I called, I called them when I, we moved here. That's not the one we ended up going to, but when I called them, the uh, language choices were English, <laughs> Spanish, Spanish, or... um 
Burmese. And I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, perfect. Right. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. So um, and then, you know, the one that I went to New York City was uh, a. Oh, yeah. Um, Charles uh, B. Chinese, Wang. Yeah, it's a Chinese. Yeah. Um, yeah. Run and like. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was uh, every time we went the in there, Chinese, I was yeah. always the only white person in there. Yeah. And, but it was, and it was wonderful. Like, so good. Yeah superb like superb yeah. care but it's oh, kind of that yeah. like if you are part of like the community it was originally intended to serve awesome because your needs are going to be met yeah even better than they might be at another place yeah but if you're not part of the community it was originally designed to serve you're still yeah. great like awesome you get exactly great health care yeah. right that's affordable yeah. um and, and honestly most, yeah go ahead. I, I was just gonna say honestly in those situations a lot of times they'll you'll probably not better care that's not what i'm trying to say but like people will be interested in you a little bit yeah. more because that changes their demographics for reporting right. and stuff that is exactly what my dear friend who worked at charles b wang before yeah. and i was just like i don't have yeah. a doctor and he was like please come to the yes yeah like please come to charles b yeah. wang because like we need like it'll help our demographics and yeah, I was just like, yeah yeah i mean deal right. <laughs> deal right. i'll pay i'll pay 15 dollars to see the doctor and like yeah deal yeah. yeah so if you don't have insurance for whatever reason yeah. or you have insurance that's a huge headache because nobody accepts it right like the yep. community health plans and things like that they don't take they they take like you know medicaid and all of those that can be hard to use so yeah yeah that's just the little psa because i was having a uh, you know conversation with somebody who wasn't aware of that and yeah uh, yeah and if you live in any other country don't worry about it you're fine <laughs> yeah right <laughs> you know but <laughs> but uh yeah that's a i guess enough politics for one episode so. <laughs> but no i know that, we're both sleepy great. it's yeah. a slippery slope we're too sleepy to talk about it we really yeah. are i left the 9-11 stuff in that one podcast and i feel like we've been i've been uh leaving more of these things in but yeah. one of these days one of these days we're gonna go too far right right yeah that's yeah. what the editing process is for because sometimes i'm like i don't even think that like why did i say that you know right, right. like hey, yeah i think about that all the time and i'm just like yeah. I, there is a like i am always nervous that i sound dumb as shit to b c i'm gonna not. say two the people need to know that you are not dumb, oh right but. right like i i it's that like an initial reaction of like, oh man, a lot of people are gonna listen to this. I have no idea what I said. I oh, yeah. probably no. sound stupid, but oh oh well, that's out there now. You know, <laughs> but like, here it is. Yeah, yeah I cared for are. one second, and now it's over. No, that's it's it's uh, that's every how, week. There, yeah. there is not a single time that I have public. Uh, every single time I publish an episode, I think this is the week. That I'm gonna get 45 emails being like, "Do you even know what a plane is? Right. Like, have you ever heard of planes, Casey? Like, you know nothing. Like, I just think every week, like, this is gonna be the week. Everyone's gonna be like, actually, you were a hundred percent wrong, right. <laughs> which is totally possible. It's yeah. probably gonna happen at some point. Yeah. Um, I have never seen a plane, and I don't know what they are. So, like, it's gonna happen. People will find out at some point. But we all um, need to manage our expectations here. Oh yeah, please. All of Across us. Across the we board. Need, right. You and I need to be gentler with ourselves yes. and the people of the world who already have shown us so much grace just need to keep on being amazing <laughs> yeah. and gracious. Yeah, so, you guys are doing great. You guys are killing it. We love you. We love you. We love we you. 
We do. I love you, Mariah. I love you too, Casey. I love you so much. Yes. Happy we, Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Yep. Oh, have a great Thanksgiving. Oh, the best. Eat squash if that's what you like. Ooh, squash is so good. It's my favorite. We'll make some yeah, sweet potato pie. Ooh, oh my gosh, right now? Yeah, right Oh yeah, I'm going to go to Wegmans. Okay. Yes, okay. One, two, three, Deal. break. <laughs> Love you. Love you, bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Pod Crashed. We so hope you enjoyed it. Um, we love you guys. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us for any reason, you can find us on Instagram or TikTok, or you can email us at thepodcrashed at gmail.com. Uh, we hope that you're having just a wonderful, wonderful um, early winter season. We hope that you had a great Thanksgiving, if that's a holiday you celebrate. And uh, thanks for coming along for this crazy ride with us. So we'll see you next week.